Section 34 of 93 by Victor Hugo, translated by Aline Delano. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 3, Book 1, Chapter 6. The Soul of the Earth Passes into Man. The number of the rebels in the Vendée, including men, women, and children, cannot be estimated at less than 500,000. Toufan de la Rouerie states the sum total of the combatants to have been half a million. The Federalists helped them, and the Vendée had the Gironde on its side also. Lozère sent 30,000 men into the Bocage. Eight departments formed a coalition, five in Brittany, three in Normandy. Evreux, who fraternized with Cayenne, was represented in the rebellion by Chaumont, its mayor, and Gardimbas, a man of note. Bouzot, Gorsas, and Barbarou at Cayenne, Brousseau at Moulin, Chassan at Lyon, Rabot Saint-Étienne at Nîmes, Malan and Duchâtel in Brittany, all fanned the flames of the furnace. There were two Vendées, the great army fighting in the forests, and the smaller one carrying on the war in the bushes. And this marks the difference between Charette and John Chouan. The little Vendée was simple-minded and true. The great Vendée was corrupt. The little Vendée was the better of the two. The rank of Marquis, lieutenant-general of the king's armies, was bestowed upon Charette, and he received the Grand Cross of Saint-Louis. Jean Chouan remained Jean Chouan. Charette resembles a bandit. Jean Chouan is more like a paladin of old. As to those magnanimous chiefs, Bonchamp, Lescure, La Roche-Jacqueline, they were mistaken. The great Catholic army was an insane attempt, upon whose heels disaster was sure to follow. Imagine a crowd of peasants storming Paris, a coalition of villages besieging the Pantheon, a chorus of Christmas hymns and prayers striving to drown the Marseillaise, a cohort of rustics rushing upon a legion of enlightened minds. Mons and Savenay chastised this folly. The Vendée could not cross the Loire. That was a stride beyond its power. Civil war can make no conquests. Crossing the Rhine confirms the power of Caesar and adds to that of Napoleon. Crossing the Loire kills La Roche-Jacqueline. The genuine Vendée is the Vendée at home, there it is more than invulnerable, it is unconquerable. At home the Vendée's smuggler, laborer, soldier, shepherd, poacher, sharpshooter, goatherd, bell-ringer, peasant, spy, assassin, sacristan, and wild beast. La Roche-Jacqueline is only an Achilles, while John Chouan is a Proteus. The Vendée failed. Other revolts have been successful, that in Switzerland, for instance— the difference between mountain insurgents like the Swiss and forest insurgents like the Vendean exists in the fact that almost invariably, owing to some fatal influence of his surroundings, the former fights for an ideal, while the latter fights for a prejudice. The one soars, the other crawls. The one fights for humanity, the other for solitude. The one demands liberty, the other isolation. The one defends the commune, the other the parish. The commons! The commons! cried the heroes of Marat. The one has to do with precipices, the other with quagmires. The one is the man of torrents and foaming streams, the other of stagnant pools whence fever rises. One has the blue sky above his head, the other a thicket. One is on the mountain top, the other among the shadows. An education that is gained upon the heights is quite a different affair from that of the shallows. A mountain is a fortress, a forest is an ambush. The former inspires courage, the latter teaches trickery. The ancients placed their gods upon a pinnacle, 
and their satyrs within copses. The satyr is a savage, half man, half beast. Free countries have their Apennines, Alps, Pyrenees, and Olympus. Parnassus is a mountain. Mont Blanc was the giant auxiliary of William Tell. Looking beyond and above these titanic contests between human intellect and the darkness of night, which form the subjects of the poems of India, one sees Himalaya towering overhead. Greece, Spain, Italy, Helvetia have the mountains for their inspiration. Cimmeria, whether it be Germany or Brittany, has but the woods. The forest tends to barbarism. The formation of the soil influences man in many of his actions. It is more of an accomplice than one might imagine. When we consider certain wild scenery, we feel tempted to exonerate man and accuse nature. We are conscious of an occult provocation on the part of nature. The desert has sometimes an unwholesome influence upon the conscience, especially on one that is not enlightened. A conscience may be gigantic. Take, for example, Socrates or the Christ. It may be dwarf-like, in which case we find Atreus and Judas. A narrow conscience soon displays the attributes of the reptile. It delights to haunt the dim forests. It is attracted by the brambles, the thorns, the marshes underneath the branches, and absorbs the evil influences of the place. Optical illusions, mysterious mirages, the terrors of the hour and the place, inspire a man with that sort of half-religious, half-animal fear, which in everyday life begets superstition, and in times of wild excitements degenerates into brutality. Hallucination holds the torch that lights the path to murder. A vertigo seizes the brigand. Nature, marvelous as she is, holds a double meaning that dazzles great minds and blinds the savage soul. When man is ignorant, and the desert is alive with visions, the gloom of solitude is added to the blindness of the intelligence, hence the abyss that sometimes yawns in the human soul. There are certain rocks, ravines, copses, weird spaces between the trees, revealing the blackness of the night, that incite man to mad and cruel deeds. One might say that the evil fiend possesses such spots. What tragic scenes has not the gloomy hill between Banyon and Plélan beheld? Wide horizons tend to enlarge the mind. Limited horizons, on the contrary, circumscribe it. Hence men are naturally kind-hearted, such, for instance, as Jean Chouan, grow narrow-minded. It is the hatred of narrow minds for liberal ideas that fetters the march of progress. The Vendean War, a quarrel between the local and the universal idea, the contest of peasant and patriot, may be summed up in two words, the village community and the fatherland. End of section 34